Welcome to More Devotedly, a podcast for people who see the arts as a force for positive, progressive change. I'm Douglas Dietrich. I put together this brief epilogue to talk about what I learned through the process of producing Volume 1, and also to talk about what's coming up in Volume 2 and beyond. As I've said, I don't see myself as an expert on any of the issues we'll discuss here. My goal is to learn along with you to try to talk out loud about what we learn, and to build a community around that process. Altogether, we can make a bigger impact on our society as a broad community of artists. You're ready, right? I know you are. Let's go. In Volume 1 of More Devotedly, we thought about this question. Who belongs here? Belonging is hard to measure. It's hard to measure because it's complicated, and the experience of it or the absence of it is subjective. It's different for every person. The most important thing I learned is that even though it's hard to talk about, belonging is very, very real. Belonging in the United States has always been important, even before the United States became the United States. But from the days when some of us fought over the idea of belonging to the British Empire, even while some others, like enslaved or native people, probably felt more like pawns in a game of geopolitical chess, belonging has always been central to our politics, to our culture, and to our arts. Today, it's no less important, and it's no less powerful, but it is much more complicated. Belonging can be defined in a lot of ways. We can see it through the macro issues of American life, like politics, economics, race, or religion, where we battle over our collective understanding of the American story. And it can be intimate and personal, where we search for connection to our neighbors, to our families, and even to ourselves. All of these different views of the same idea are important. And after talking to the guests on the podcast in Volume 1, I found that artists can address all of them at the same time time. As we talked about how that happens, I was reminded about the real-world consequences of the subtle emotional landscape that we all move through in our lives as we reconcile our personal struggles with national ones. For each of the artists that I interviewed, finding that balance between the personal and the political was a fundamental concern of their creative work. For Joe Kai on episode two, it was clear that his inability to speak English set him apart from his schoolmates in his first years in the United States. But even when he conquered that particular barrier, the boundaries that separated him from his classmates later on at Yale University didn't disappear. They changed. A sense of belonging isn't built out of a single thing. It is the sum total of many factors, some of which are obvious and some that aren't. Some of them can be consciously overcome, like learning a language. But like in Joe's example, he was only able to address other issues by changing his perspective and asserting his own view of belonging in contrast to what he felt was imposed on him by others. He used a beautiful and simple metaphor to describe that process. If there's a given stereotype of who you are based on what you look like, um, there are a series of different options, right? You can go with that 
and laugh at those jokes and say, yeah, I am blank. There's the rebellious phase, which is still a response mm -hmm. to the oppressive stereotype. Then I think now at this phase of my life, uh, <laughs> there's a part of me that's saying, no, like I love science. Science is cool. Let me empty all the apples in my basket. And then before I put them back, just observe each one. Do I like this apple? Is this me? Uh, and once I've accepted that this is internally how I define myself, then I put it back. Hmm. The inmates in Oregon prisons that Anna Fritz and Paul Susi talked about in episode four did something similar. As those men and women signed up to see a play that had the potential to stir up some powerful emotions, they took the risk of showing weakness in an environment that doesn't allow for it. By showing up, they showed that they deserve the chance to take that risk. They reaffirmed their sense of belonging, even as they live in a prison. Watching them do this, Anna and Paul went through their own journey as well. So, in a way, there's, there's real power and safety and saying, I don't know what's going to happen in 10 years uh, who, to that guy who saw this thing and was really moved. And, and it's not for me to know. It's not for me that they are experiencing these things. There, that's kind of the contradiction of it, I think, yes. a bit, is that we, we go there and we do these things because we think they're important. Yes. And yet you, you can't tell the person how to... Exactly. How to receive what you've given. Yeah, it's a leap of faith mm -hmm. of showing up for the work and right. and doing it with everything you've got right. and mm -hmm. letting it go. Right. These interviews reminded me of how important representation can be in building a sense of belonging. To review, in case you aren't familiar with this concept, representation is the perception that we have collectively and individually of which people are exercising power in our society. Who is making decisions in our government? Who is creating the media that tell our stories? Who holds jobs that pay well enough to build wealth and support families? As we answer those questions, we can make judgments about whether or not the people we see in those positions of power are a representative sample of our population at large, or if people are being left out. The arts give us an incredible opportunity to build a more diverse representation of our world with everyone in it. For Kunu Bercham on episode three, increasing representation of indigenous people in the United States isn't just something he's watching for. It's something he's trying to create in the community around him. His music and films are concerned with elevating indigenous perspectives, asserting that these views and the people who hold them belong in our thoughts and conversations. And I recently learned this from a super awesome native elder and uh, Olympian, Billy Mills. What we need 
is inspiration and inspiration is a natural resource and it's something that humans create like we can create inspiration for other human beings and that inspiration that well of inspiration you know was taken away from indian country The arts can be a vital tool for making all of this happen. So if you are an artist of any discipline, or if you're a supporter or appreciator of the arts, you hold a special power. Through that mysterious magic of creativity and performance, we can change the way the audience sees power at work in our world. And that makes a better, more equitable future much closer to reality. That's what I learned about the arts and belonging in Volume 1. But I learned a few things about the project itself as well. The rollout of the project, including launching the website, creating the visual brand, choosing and interviewing the first guests, remembering how to produce podcasts after some time away, and getting music ready for the first live event, it didn't go exactly according to plan. The opportunity to launch the project at our October 6th event came up, and I decided to go ahead, kind of at the last minute. Up to that point, I was planning to launch in January, so I had to work super fast to make it happen. That meant doing all of the things I just mentioned a lot more rapidly than I would have liked, but it was probably a good thing to just start. I tended to defeat my own goals by letting my anxieties crowd out my convictions. So with a personal project like this, it was good to just start and think about it later. Because of that short timeline, I started out with personal friends of mine who I could call and interview on short notice. So the artists that I interviewed skewed more towards musicians who live here in Portland. But as the show grows, I'll be casting a wider net in terms of artistic practice, approach to politics, and geography. And I'll continue to cultivate a diverse range of perspectives in as many ways as possible, including socioeconomic background, gender, race, and ethnicity. I'm also hoping that the next volume of the project will have more opportunities for you all to hear not just from me and my guests, but also to hear and be heard by each other. I'll make it a goal to engage more with you all online in an effort to get more feedback from you, both on the content and the quality of the project. One question that comes to mind in that department, do you all feel that Facebook is a good medium to encourage these discussions? With Facebook's new policy to not fact-check political ads as the 2020 election heats up, things are going to get real ugly on there. So tell me what you think about that question on Facebook for now, unfortunately, and on Instagram as well. But you can also email me at douglas at moredevotedly.com. Now that Volume 1 is wrapped up, I'm getting very excited about the next one. I'm especially excited to tell you about an opportunity to be a part of Volume 2 as we talk about climate change. 
I'll be performing collaborative pieces created with violinist Joe Kai, poet and performer Laura Messersmith-Glavin, and dancer and choreographer Stephanie McCullough on February 1st and 2nd as part of the Portland, Oregon Fertile Ground Festival. I don't want to know what you know or what you think about climate change. All of that is important, of course, but what I really am interested in is how you feel about climate change. As the science becomes more and more clear, and as the effects of climate change are already impacting us, we artists can help bring about the broad-based, emotional transformation that is needed to finally take meaningful action on climate change. There's so much we need to do, but if we don't feel the need to change, we won't. So, let's talk about our feelings, okay? Here's what I'm asking you to do. Get out your phone, turn on the voice recorder, and give me your honest answers to these three questions. Question number one. How did you feel when you first understood how bad climate change could really be? Question number two. What are feelings that lead to stasis? What are feelings that lead to action? Question number three. What needs to happen to start an emotional transformation from stasis to action? Personally? Globally? Then send the file to Douglas at moredevotedly.com by November 10th, 2019. I'll use your answers in the live show, on the podcast, and in the musical recording as well. Thanks so much for your help. Okay. That about does it for volume one of More Devotedly. Thanks so much for being with me. This episode was written and produced, and the music composed and performed by me, Douglas Dietrich, in Portland, Oregon. The More Devotedly logo was created by Lindsay Jordan Cretchen. Thanks so much to Jenny, Kim, Stephanie, Laura, Joe, Kunu, Paul, and Anna for all of your help and contributions. What you're doing is beautiful. Can you do it more devotedly? Can can you do it more devotedly? Can <clears throat> can you do it more devotedly? <laughs>